Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. Um, now, I'm just going to warn you guys, just understand, this is going to be one, be a really extremely long episode, long as I ever, or ever do. Um, and two, it's about race and uh, pretty much all the issues that's going on <clears throat> right now. Um, so please, um, if you can, if you listen to the whole thing, just know it's going to be probably an hour and a half. And just understand something too. This is how I feel about things. Um, if you agree with them, agree with them. If you don't, I understand. Um, but this is how I feel about the whole situation. Um, but like I said, um, it's gonna be very touch on a lot of sensitive topics, and it's gonna be a lot of graphic things that are said or that are um, you know, talk about whatever. But just understand, um, this is how I feel about things. How I feel about everything that's been going on. Not about COVID, but about the George, uh, George Floyd killing and racial issues that we face in America right now. Now, I'm going to first start out by playing um, a recording from um, New York, the New York Times, from NewYorkTimes.com. Um, pretty much, they put uh, put together a video explaining pretty much what happened um, on May 25th. All right, guys. Um, Listen to this. It's a Monday evening in Minneapolis. Police respond to a call about a man who allegedly used a counterfeit $20 bill to buy cigarettes. 17 minutes later, the man they are there to investigate lies motionless on the ground and is pronounced dead shortly after. The man was 46-year-old George Floyd, a bouncer originally from Houston who'd lost his job at a restaurant when the coronavirus pandemic hit. Floyd's death triggered major protests in Minneapolis and sparked rage across the country. One of the officers involved, Derek Chauvin, has been arrested and charged with second-degree murder. The other three officers have been charged with aiding and abetting murder. The Times analyzed bystander videos, security camera footage, and police scanner audio, spoke to witnesses and experts, and reviewed documents released by the authorities to build as comprehensive a picture as possible and better understand how George Floyd died in police custody. The events of May 25th begin here. Floyd is sitting in the driver's seat of this blue SUV. Across the street is a convenience store called Cup Foods. Footage from this restaurant's security camera helps us understand what happens next. Note that the timestamp on the camera is 24 minutes fast. At 7.57 p.m., two employees from Cup Foods confront Floyd and his companions about an alleged counterfeit bill he just used in their store to buy cigarettes. They demand the cigarettes back, but walk away empty-handed. Four minutes later, they call the police. According to the 911 transcript, an employee says that Floyd used fake bills to buy cigarettes and that he is awfully drunk and not in control of himself. Soon, the first police vehicle arrives on the scene. Officers Thomas Lane and J. Alexander Koenig step out of the car and approach the blue SUV. Seconds later, Lane pulls his gun. We don't know exactly why, and orders Floyd to put his hands on the wheel. 
Lane reholsters the gun, and after about 90 seconds of back and forth, yanks Floyd out of the SUV. A man is filming the confrontation from a car parked behind them. The officers cuff Floyd's hands behind his back, and Koenig walks into the restaurant wall. From the 911 transcript in the footage, we now know three important facts. First, that the police believed they were responding to a man who was drunk and out of control. But second, even though the police were expecting this situation, we can see that Floyd has not acted violently. And third, that he seems to already be in distress. Six minutes into the arrest, the two officers move Floyd back to their vehicle. As the officers approach their car, we can see Floyd fall to the ground. According to the criminal complaints filed against the officers, Floyd says he is claustrophobic and refuses to enter the police car. During the struggle, Floyd appears to turn his head to address the officers multiple times. According to the complaints, he tells them he can't breathe. Nine minutes into the arrest, the third and final police car arrives on the scene. It's carrying officers Tutau and Derek Chauvin. Both have previous records of complaints brought against them. Tao was once sued for throwing a man to the ground and hitting him. Chauvin has been involved in three police shootings, one of them fatal. Chauvin becomes involved in the struggle to get Floyd into the car. Security camera footage from Cup Foods shows Koenig struggling with Floyd in the back seat while Tao watches. Chauvin pulls him through the back seat and onto the street. We don't know why. Floyd is now lying on the pavement, face down. That's when two witnesses begin filming, almost simultaneously. The footage from the first witness shows us that all four officers are now gathered around Floyd. It's the first moment when we can clearly see that Floyd is face down on the ground, with three officers applying pressure to his neck, torso, and legs. At 8.20 p.m., we hear Floyd's voice for the first time. The video stops when Lane appears to tell the person filming to walk away. The officers radio a code 2, a call for non-emergency medical assistance, reporting an injury to Floyd's mouth. In the background, we can hear Floyd struggling. The call is quickly upgraded to a code 3, a call for emergency medical assistance. By now, another bystander, 17-year-old Darnella Frazier, is filming from a different angle. Her footage shows that despite calls for medical help, Chauvin keeps Floyd pinned down for another seven minutes. We can't see whether Koenig and Lane are still applying pressure. What do you want? I can breathe. Please be my dick. I can breathe here. In the two videos, Floyd can be heard telling officers that he can't breathe at least 16 times in less than five minutes. The Chauvin never takes his knee off of Floyd, even as his eyes close and he appears to go unconscious. Look at him. According to medical and policing experts, these four police officers are committing a series of actions that violate policies 
and in this case turned fatal. They've kept Floyd lying face down, applying pressure for at least five minutes. This combined action is likely compressing his chest and making it impossible to breathe. Chauvin is pushing his knee into Floyd's neck, a move banned by most police departments. Bro, he's not moving! Minneapolis Police Department policy states an officer can only do this if someone is, quote, actively resisting. And even though the officers call for medical assistance, they take no action to treat Floyd on their own while waiting for the ambulance to arrive. You, 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 you think that's okay? Check his pulse. Check his pulse. Check his pulse. The man ain't moved yet, bro. According to the complaints against the officers, Lane asks him twice if they should roll Floyd onto his side. Chauvin says no. 20 minutes into the arrest, an ambulance arrives on the scene. The EMTs check Floyd's pulse. Are you serious? Chauvin keeps his knee on Floyd's neck for almost another whole minute, even though Floyd appears completely unresponsive. He only gets off once the EMTs tell him to. Chauvin's kept his knee on Floyd's neck for a total of 8 minutes and 46 seconds, according to the complaint filed against him. Floyd is loaded into the ambulance. The ambulance leaves the scene, possibly because a crowd is forming, but the EMTs call for additional medical help from the fire department. You added fire to your run. But when the engine arrives, the officers give them, quote, no clear info on Floyd or his whereabouts, according to a fire department incident report. This delays their ability to help the paramedics. Meanwhile, Floyd is going into cardiac arrest. If you could let MSD know that EMS needs It takes the engine five minutes to reach Floyd in the ambulance. He's pronounced dead at a nearby hospital around 9.25 p.m. Well, guys, um, I figure I played that for you. Some people might not know. Uh, I doubt it, but people may not know what's going on. That was from um, NewYorkTimes.com. Um, they pretty much broke down the whole video, the whole scene, uh, what happened with George Floyd on May 25th. Um, it's it's very very scary. Um, forget about um. For, for a second, for a second, forget about being black uh, for a second, just seeing something like that. I mean, I saw everybody has seen the video. Just having this know that um, somebody can be handcuffed and have their knee on their neck like that um, is crazy. Is the fact that you have the audacity or the... Um, I don't know, the ability to do that to somebody else. I mean, people have committed way worse crimes, of course, you know, genocides and all that kind of stuff. But that's just crazy. And you're you're there to protect somebody. You're there to protect the people. You know, um, so it's just really, really scary to see something like that. You know, like I said, forget about the color of his skin, but um, just so you could do something like that. And it's crazy. <sighs> so anyway, um. I um 
I didn't really want to do something like this because um, it's probably done many, many times. Um, and it's, I'm just trying to get all the information in myself anyway. I'm, I'm still learning as much as I can. And uh, not just about this case, about what's just going on in general. And um, so I wanted to do it. No one's, no one's home right now. And no one, you know, pretty much no one can interrupt me. So this might be like an hour long podcast. I went for my run, came back. I feel like my head is a lot clearer. When I run or exercise, my head is a lot clearer. So just finished my four mile run and I'm feel more, you know, feel okay to talk about this. So, I mean, honestly, I'm not okay about talking about this because it still bothers me that there is all this kind of stuff going on. It's, you know, the racism, the, you know, the police brutality, you know, um, white supremacy and all this kind of stuff still going on is 2020. This country is almost like five years, not five years, 500, almost 500, 400 years old, 500 years old. And this is still going on. Um, it, it's, it's just, it's just, to me, it's honestly, it's just mind blowing. And, um, now I'm, I'm black, half black. To get technical, um, I'm half Indian, half have I'm from Jamaica, but I'm half Indian, half um, um, black, and I um, have experienced things a little bit differently than most people have. Uh, most black um, uh, black born you know, people have, um, and I was telling my wife this, I. Me coming to this country from Jamaica is, you know, the land of opportunity and the land of you know, milk and honey and all this kind of stuff, whatever they say. Um, so I just see this see this place as a land of opportunity away from me. I can better myself compared to being in Jamaica. Um, and well, my mom brought us here and she worked hard. We did it. We did it legally, of course. Um, got papers. Now I'm a U.S. citizen. Um, not dual citizenship, but I'm just an um, American citizen. Um, but there's a couple things that I remember my mom teaching me when I was growing up. And it's one. She didn't know she was black until she came to this country. She didn't know that until she was black till she came to this country. Now, of course, she did know, you know. But think about what she just said, though. Think about it. Because I want you to, I want you to think about uh, the melting pot theory of old oh, America is a melting pot. America is a melting pot. I personally don't think so. There's a lot of different races, a lot of different cultures, and so on and so forth. But there's a lot of um, still a lot of racism. Now, if we go to Jamaica, I think Jamaica is a melting pot because we have. Whites that are considered Jamaican or born in Jamaica, Asians, or, or yeah, Asians, and of course blacks that are considered um, Jamaican. Now, why do why are there and Indians Indians of course that are Jamaican? Now, 
why the Indians in Jamaica, why they, you know, all these kind of different cultures. I mean, one being the fact that England controlled India and Jamaica, brought slaves from India to Jamaica, that kind of thing to tend to the sugarcane fields and all that kind of stuff. You know, it is what it is. But anyway, long story short, we got our independence and all this stuff and we, you know, became a real melting pot. So it's, that's, this is one thing I, I always tell people when I'm trying to educate people is that if you go to, at least not right now, well, definitely now, whenever, it doesn't matter when, but if you go to somebody that's American and ask them, what are they? They say right away, I'm black, I'm white, I'm Italian, I'm whatever. They don't say, I'm American. Nine, nine times out of 10, they will say, I'm black, I'm white, I'm this, I'm Puerto Rican, I'm, I'm Spanish, whatever they may say, Hispanic, whatever they may say. But if you go to Jamaica, and I presume other countries too, I don't know, I can't speak of any other countries, but if you go to anybody in Jamaica, you, you ask them, what are you? I'm Jamaican. But then, you know, then you have to specifically ask for, oh, I mean, but you look light-skinned, and you look, you look white, and you know, so what are, what are you, you know, oh, I'm hot, well, my, my grandparents are white, and this, you know, all this kind of stuff. And that, that's, that's, that's what's mind-blowing to me. America is, to me, supposed to be, and it is, okay, to a certain extent it is, you know, it is um, a great country. And I, you know, I'm happy to be here, you know, but like all the countries, I'm not saying Jamaica's perfect, I'm not saying, you know, of course, you know, all the places aren't perfect, but, you know, America does have its faults. I mean, the shames, you know, the Native Americans, the the slavery, the lynching, the, and that's, that's another thing, lynching, and I find it's crazy, lynching is still not a federal crime. That's what's crazy. 2020, and lynching is not a federal crime, not a federal hate crime. I mean, is it a crime to a certain extent? But yeah, but you, you could get maybe five years or so or something or whatever for it. Ten years, if anything. It's depending on how, you know, what what you are. Most likely you're a white person that's doing the lynching. And you can probably get even less time. I will, I'll look, look at this. Um, and I'm not, you know, of course it's going to go go into white privilege and the discussion. But, before, you know, and I'm going to probably bring this up again later. But there's a perfect example. This white guy tried to steal... I mean, black guy tried to steal, I don't know what, something insignificant, a $9 something, like a bread or not bread, but something, not for $9, or stole $9, or something like that. This guy got 38 years in prison. He's still serving time now, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe he's out now, but he's old. He's a black guy, you know, old black guy. He's old and, you know, 39, 38 years in prison. This white kid, of course, he has money, privilege, of course. Raped a woman, she was white, but raped a woman behind the dumpster after a club or whatever and all this kind of stuff, and only got six months in jail. Six months in jail. And knowing knowing how you know how go how it usually goes, it probably wasn't like the the big the the pen the 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 pen you know uh, penitentiary or whatever. It was like some you know soft prison. But he got six months for raping a woman. And then the dad goes say, please don't don't hurt Sully his name. 
you know, he, he doesn't deserve this. Please don't, do, um, you know, just, you know, whatever, attack him and all kind of stuff. You know, he's going to mess up his life. And all. But you messed up that girl's life. You messed up that girl's life. For her to get married, for her to have kids and all this kind of stuff, you messed up her life. That boy messed up that woman's life. But yet he only got six months in jail. But anyway, back to what I was saying. So, like, I, you know, this country has given me a lot. Um, I'm happy to be here. Um, and there's a lot of opportunity here. You just have to work hard. Um, and that's why there's something else that I, I think is America isn't great. Hasn't been great. And it, to me, it won't be great until everybody is equal. Women, blacks, whites, it doesn't really matter. I don't think this country will be great until that happens. So they keep saying make America great again. And that's pretty much, yes, from the white point of view, where most of them, let's be honest with you, most of them that are saying that or wants, wants it to go back to where whites are in control and, you know, Slavery still going on or back at it again, whatever you want to say, you know, and and I understand what they're trying to push at the, at the, when I first heard it, I kind of understood. But then you realize who's saying it. And then I realized, OK, that's what they really want. They really want slavery to come back. You know, and it's. It's crazy. I say I like to think things from the big picture, I like to see things. So let's say, hypothetically speaking, one. Slavery happens again. Let's say that, habitually speaking. It's going to be completely different. And honestly, I don't see it ever will happen. Let's be, just be honest. It will never happen. Because it's, 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 you, you have something like that. First of all, most whites won't, most, I'm going to say most whites won't approve of that. You have other cultures here, other religions here, other people here. So that's not going to happen. Let's be honest with you. It's not going to happen. And then let's say, hypothetically speaking, we go, quote unquote, go, go back to where, where we're from. We go back to Africa. Let's, let's just... So let's say this, they tell us to go back to Africa and we, you know, we go back to Africa. It's not going to be the same. Most of, most of these wealthy people make money off of black people spending money. Let's be serious. Most of these, most of these white companies make money off of black people. The Nikes, the you know jewelry companies, all these different companies, because you know you have white people, black people that decide to you know you know I'm just gonna spend all my money and do all this stuff. And you know don't get me wrong, there's all the white people that spend you know whatever, but there's some white people that that's smart enough to not spend money on materialistic things. I'm not saying all black people do that, but. Most black people are trained or see in, in the rap videos and all that kind of stuff and think it's okay to, to spend money like that. Um, don't get me wrong. I see stuff and I, I want stuff too. Um, I, to a certain extent, I can be materialistic myself. Everyone is really, some, to, certain, to a certain extent, materialistic is usually something. Like, say, for instance, someone loves the shoes. They'll spend God knows how much money on shoes, but they won't spend something on their cars. 
some people spend money on their cars but won't spend money on shoes and this and that and some people you know honestly are smart they spend money on a house and don't care about their car don't care about their clothes don't care about anything else because it doesn't appreciate in value it depreciates as soon as you buy sneakers as soon as you buy cars it depreciates right, right away unless it's like uh some type of jordan that's you know whatever whatever so um i mean I I just honestly am worried right now about how things are going, the protests, um, the ne- the negative side of the protests, meaning the riots and uh, the looting and everything. But I wanna I wanna share a little sound, uh, a little sound bite of what someone said on uh, Instagram. And it was very, very interesting um, about the whole idea of looting. And let's see if I can get it. I've I've been seeing a lot of things, talking of the people making commentary. Um, Interestingly enough, the ones I've noticed that have been making the commentary are wealthy black people making the commentary
Why can't they do that? Let me explain to you something about economics in America. And I'm so glad that as a child, I got an opportunity to spend time at PUSH where they taught me this, is that we must never forget that economics was the reason that black people were brought to this country. We came to do the agricultural work in the South and the textile work in the North. Do you understand that? That's what we came to do. We came to do the agricultural work in the South and the textile work in the North. Now, if I right now, if I right now decided that I wanted to play Monopoly with you, and for 400 rounds of playing Monopoly, I didn't allow you to have any money. I didn't allow you to have anything on the board. I didn't allow for you to have anything. And then we played another 50 rounds of Monopoly, and everything that you gained and you earned while you were playing that round of Monopoly was taken from you. That was Tulsa. That was Rosewood. There are pla those are places where we built black economic wealth, where we were self-sufficient, where we owned our stores, where we owned our property, and they burned them to the ground. So that's 450 years. So for 400 rounds of Monopoly, you don't get to play at all. Not only do you not get to play, you have to play on the behalf of the person that you're playing against. You have to play and make money and earn wealth for them, and then you have to turn it over to them. So then for 50 years, you finally get a little bit and you're allowed to play. And every time that they don't like the way that you're playing or that you're catching up or that you're doing something to be self-sufficient, they burn your game. They burn your cards. They burn your Monopoly money. And then, finally, at the release and the onset of that, they allow you to play and they say, okay, now you catch up. Now, at this point, the only way you're going to catch up in the game is if the person shares the wealth, correct? But what if every time you share the wealth, then there's psychological warfare against you to say, oh, you're an equal opportunity higher. So if I played 400 rounds of Monopoly with you and I had to play and give you every dime that I made, and then for 50 years, every time that I played, I, if you didn't like what I did, you got to burn it like they did in Tulsa and like they did in Rosewood, how can you win? How can you win? You can't win. The game is fixed. So when they say, why do you burn down the community? Why do you burn down your own neighborhood? It's not ours. We don't own anything. We don't own anything. There is, Trevor Noah said it so beautifully last night. There's a social contract that we all have. That if you steal or if I steal, then the person who is the authority comes in and they fix the situation. But the person who fixes the situation is killing us. So the social contract is broken. And if the social contract is broken, why the fuck do I give a shit about burning the fucking football hall of fame, about burning the fucking target? You broke the contract when you killed us in the streets and didn't give a fuck. You broke the contract when for 400 years we played your game and built your wealth. You broke the contract when we built our wealth again on our own, by our bootstraps in Tulsa, and you dropped bombs on us. When we built it in Rosewood and you came in and you slaughtered us. You broke the contract, so fuck your target. Fuck your Hall of Fame. As far as I'm concerned, they could burn this bitch to the ground. And it still wouldn't be enough. And they are lucky that what black people are looking for is equality and not revenge. All right, that was from Kimberly Latrice Jones.
Um, I watched it from the real tank, um, his Instagram page, but she was the one that, uh, said all that stuff. Um, I mean, after hearing that, you know, what else can you say? Like, what can you say to really defend, um, defend everything, um, that's going on or not defend everything. Well, well say, you know, what, what's going on is wrong. The protesting is wrong. All this other stuff is wrong. Um, it's crazy. It's crazy that 2020, this is still going on and she has to say something like that and she's completely accurate. I looked, I um, learned about uh, the Black Wall Street or what happened to Tulsa. Um, before this, I had to look up what happened with Rosewood, but pretty much the same, same effect. I think that Tulsa was more successful though, because there was, there was doctors there. There was, there was, um, people, blacks that own their own stores. It was like a lot of wealth there, a lot of wealth. But um, something happened where uh, involving a white woman, both cases involving a white woman. Um, she said that how uh, some black guy did something to her and um, come to find out wasn't as true as she says. And but anyway, long story short is, you know, all black people in that in that um, area were slaughtered. Um, some people, the number, oh, it was only 50 or no, no, some, it was in the hundreds, way over the hundreds. So, and then of course, in um, Rosewood, um, it was another white woman that, um, said that a black man came in and assaulted her. He didn't rape her, but he assaulted her. And then eventually the words are going around in the white community that he did rape her and robbed her. But then come to find out that it it was actually a, a side piece or a lover because she was married when her husband left. This guy one day, it was a New Year's Day or something, January, yeah, January 1st, uh, 1923, that he, that, you know, I guess they had a little rendezvous or something, whatever. And she was screamed and I guess he was upset with her, the the lover, her lover, and, you know, hit her. But then instead of saying, you know, that, hey, you no, know, this what happened, of course, she wants to deny it and blame it on a black man. Um, and so what happens, uh, coincidence that oh, it was a black man that actually escaped from from a jail or some, something to that effect. Long story short, they were slaughtered, too. Um, and it was crazy. I mean, uh, um, the governor, it was in Florida, Rosewood, Florida, Florida, and it was Tulsa, Arizona, the other one. Um, but in Florida, the governor reached out to the, the sheriff and said, Hey, do you need help? Should we send a national guard or whatever, whatever. And the sheriff said, no, we'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. And it was interesting that governor just went hunting after that. They went on a hunting trip. You have something like that going on. And this is my, like, mind you, like day two, day three, after when everything happened, after everything was, and you're governor, you don't do anything about it. You don't go and see what's going on. For yourself, <sighs> I mean, I'll be honest with you. This is one of the reasons why I'm going to the South. I mean, yeah, I was in Florida, and Florida is more diverse. But Florida, I would go. I mean, I've been there a few times. But when it comes to like Mississippi, Arizona, uh, well, not really Arizona, but Mississippi, Alabama, I would never want to go down there. You know, because I would love to do a road trip across the United States. Like I said, this is a great country. You know, absolutely great country. The 
the the history you know there's negative history but there's also positive things great things that happen and that's another thing too speaking of history is like we're taught in school about the great things white men did and i'm gonna say white men did and that that's the whole thing i want people to understand white men did all the incredible things white men did there weren't white women that did anything. I mean, white women kind of, in my mind, to a certain extent, they kind of stood by and watched everything happen. You know? And in some, in some cases like these, they caused things to happen. But there's a lot of great white women that did things. Not just talk about gun slavery, whatever. I'm not talking about that, but just to help build this country. And a lot of, of course, of course, I'm not, of course, I'm not going to, you know, forget what blacks did. What Asians did and all these other culture, cultures and religions and all these different kind of groups that came into this country that made it great. But you don't you don't you don't read about that. You read about the white men that did everything white men. And they're trying to in the history books are trying to change everything up and trying to get rid of the trail of tears when they have the Native Americans walk this long ass trail. You know, and they died on the way. Most of them died on the way just to get to the, these reservations and have them stay there. And, and that's a, something else, too. Is that you have the, the American shames, you know, what they did to the slavery, what they did to blacks, and the American shame of what it is to the Native Americans. And Native Americans themselves is still going through hell. I mean, we're going through hell, too. I guess I, I think, honestly, we're, quote, unquote, freer or free compared to the Native Americans because we're so many of us. There's so many of us. Compared to the Native Americans. If there were more Native Americans, it would probably be the same thing going on with them too. I don't even know. I personally haven't met anybody that is a Native American. I mean, I live on on the East Coast. Majority from what I understand, they're on the West West Coast. Central, maybe Central, you know, in the Central, but on the West Coast. That's just what I understand. And they're still being disrespected. I, I like I don't get it. And then it's something else that I learned that was very interesting. When this when slavery was abolished and quote unquote blacks were free, um there was reparations I was given. A lot of people don't realize that a lot of people don't know that because I didn't know that. I'm not saying the smartest person, but you know, I, you know, for for most part pay attention to history for you know, certain extent. I'm not, you know, whatever. But anyway. So there were reparations given, but reparations were given to the slave owners. So every slave that you lost, you got a certain amount of money. I think the total amount of money that the government spent, was it $20 million? And that was a lot for back then. It was $20 million, $2 million, something like that. But anyway, all the slave owners were giving money because all the slaves that they lost. Blacks weren't given anything. But reparations were given, but to the slave owners that lost their slaves. You know, so it's, like I said, all this stuff is just, is, is, is just crazy. It's just crazy to me. But I'm, I'm seeing things that just kind of warm my heart. Because there's a lot of negative. The people are going to um, talk more about the negative side of things, uh, the white supremacy, um, the bad cops, there's cops coming out, there's videos coming out with cops, um, being assholes 
and everything like that. For instance, there's one pit, one, um, wait, there's two things I want to talk about. There's a cop. And I can, if you guys don't follow me on any other, you know, social media, I've said it myself. I, um, I reach out to cops that I know and, hey, how are you doing? Cause I know how hard it is can be to be a cop. It, I know how hard it is. I understand. I say I know, but I understand it could be very difficult. Same thing as being very, it being very difficult to be a teacher, especially being a teacher. But I understand that, but I reach out to them and say, hey, how you doing? There's one thing that happened I remember. There's a video I saw. This police officer, he's a white guy. And I think the guy that came up on him was black, if I'm not mistaken. He was pumping gas, putting, I think, putting, yeah, in his patrol car. He's in uniform. And this guy walked up on him from behind and shot him in the head. Now, I don't know what happened. I don't know the backstory. I don't know anything. Either way, that shouldn't have happened. That's some scary shit. But then again, it's people hearing this and saying, oh, that's one cop compared to how many black people that kill. I understand that. You know, I understand that. But let's say, hypothetically speaking, he was one of those good cops. Just good cops. And this guy that saw, oh, he just saw the badge. He just saw the uniform. He didn't see who this guy was. And that's the same thing with a lot of these cops do to black people you know if a routine traffic stops speeding everyone speeds but then you know some people get caught but then when it's a black person get caught you have to be you have to be careful there's one video i saw um recently actually a few hours ago this one is a woman that was on this kid's neck black guy was on why i think she was more like hispanic she was on his neck and he showed a video of them pretty much doing the same thing, what they did to George Floyd. And you see there's four cops on top of him, you know, for this, his hand, he's, he's handcuffed and all this stuff. So the video he's going on and he, you know, the woman screaming, you know, I didn't, I don't know if she said stop, you know, or stop resisting or whatever. I don't know what she said. Something about the cell phone, because the woman's like uh, trying to get her phone, but it's not his phone, it's her, whatever, some bullshit. So anyway, the video cuts off right when another cop, a white cop, is is bending over. He's on his knees already, but he's bending over to the talk to the guy saying, hey, are you injured? The video cuts off after he says that. You know, and that's what I'm, why don't you... You show something like that, yes, it looks bad, but there's a different result. I don't know, I mean, hopefully this kid survived, but it's a different result. Most likely it's a different result. If the fact that he took the time to say, hey, are you injured? You didn't hear the guy, the kid respond, the video just stopped. And it, it, it's, it's crazy. So we need to stop looking so much at a negative because I can, I, I've done it. I went online, Twitter, Facebook, and I see the negative, the negative, the negative. I get angrier and angrier and angrier. But there are good things going on. I see cops. I'm not, it's just kind of weird to see it. But cops with protesters doing the electric slide or the, whatever the hell it is. I mean, it's, yeah, it's nice. It's sweet, you know. But at the end of the day, you, things have to be done. You have to, Change these laws. Things have to be. Things have to happen at a higher level to stop this bullshit from happening. 
you know, but there's something else that I'm, I'm like, I'm seeing that really warms my heart. And it's when I see um, other cultures, other, other countries, other, you know, people besides black people marching in these, in these, um, in these protests, you know, I have one of my, my clients who's Jewish. He was marching in a town, town near us. Him and his daughter. That that is that to me that's incredible. And a lot of people are more aware of what's going on. White people, different cultures are more aware of what's going on. Because before it was like a kind of like a joke about it, even in the black people too. There's a lot of comedy skits about it. You know, black people talk about the police brutality. There's one old Dave Chappelle saying that how you have to make sure you have an alibi. You know, you take a picture of the newspaper. Like it was like it was funny. Everyone laughed, but it's reality. It's a joke, but it's reality and it's true. And there's one well, Dave Chappelle saying, "Oh, the cops are talking. They 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 just sprinkling crack on him." Sprinkle, oh, oh, don't worry about it. Sprinkle some crack on it. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll get out of here or whatever. And that's how it was. Now imagine what's, and it's all this stuff is being televised right now. People have cell phones, cameras, or all that kind of stuff. It's probably an invention that is pretty much backfiring on whoever. Let's say, hypothetically speaking, you know, some rich white person that had a camera phone or whatever. I don't know who invented the camera phone, but it's pretty much backfiring. It's actually helping us. It's helping a lot of people. A lot of different situations. The whole idea of that woman that the Amy, I forgot her, Amy Cooper, whatever her name is, um, called the cops and said that, oh, there's an African-American man. He's threatening me and all this kind of stuff. But the, the, the black guy had his camera on showing that he she wasn't. He wasn't arresting her. He wasn't threatening her at all. He was just telling her to leash your dog. And while she was a stress, damn near strangling the dog. It's this is stuff that happens, and from my from my personal experience, nothing has ever to the extent has happened. Um, anything I would consider severe racism compared to what a lot of other people have to deal with. Um, I'm very aware of aware of it. I've I have mostly dated people, um, or been involved in a relationship with people that are not that are not black. So if I go to an event or go to a certain restaurant or certain whatever, whatever, I'm, I've noticed right away that's something I'm, I'm pretty much trained, quote unquote, trained to do. Realize I'm the only black person in the room. Um, I will also notice that um, I stay away from certain situations. Like, for instance, when I'm running, I, you know, like I said, I run pretty much three, four times a week and I'm running and I see uh, a woman um, unpacking her car. Her car is in the driveway. She's on, I'm running on the, on the sidewalk, but I see it. She's unpacking her car. The door is wide open. The, um, her car door, her trunk or whatever is open. I will purposely run in the street. Good, good, good. If any, I'm, I'm going to go as severe as, um, as crossing the street, but I will run in the street to show that I'm not near the car. I'm not trying to steal from her. I'm not trying to hurt her. I'm not trying to do anything, anything to her at all. You know, and I even goes further, like if I see somebody, no matter who it is, I say hi to them, I smile and say hi to them, say, hey, 
you know, so people know me and see me on a regular basis because I, I pretty much take the same route every each and every day. So they say, oh, that's that guy again. There's one old lady that smokes on her porch. I say, I, I wave to her. She's a white old white lady. I just wave to her. I smile at her. Hey, how you doing? You know, I don't have a conversation with her, but I say, hey, how you doing? There's a Muslim guy that owns a, I think it's a Muslim. He has a, the whole head thing. And I say, hi there. Hey, buddy, how you doing? You know, while I run by. You know, he smiles back. He waves at me, too. Every time I see him. So I make sure to protect myself to know that um, if some Karen or now it's, it's um, is it Dave or Adam? Uh, I forgot. The, oh, oh, Ben or something. The, the version, the male version of Karen um, calls the cops on me. Oh, he's running every day. He's like doing this. He's doing that. And I don't like it. I feel uncomfortable. I even wave to cops. If I see a cop and he's driving by, I, I look, I, you know, look in the car. I wave to him and say, you know, to let him know that. I'm not a threat. I'm not anything like that. I'm just trying to live my life. And it's it's just sad that the fact that I have to do that. I mean, I'm a nice guy. I'll do it anyway. But I have to make sure that I portray that I'm a nice, harmless black individual. I'm not going to hurt anybody. I'm not going to do anything to, to, uh, to steal. I'm not going to whatever. I mean, pers- personally, um, when it comes to stealing... I have stole when I was younger. I mean, I was doing, you know, stupid stuff. I'm not going to lie. I stole a comic book or, you know, whatever. And my mom beat the crap out of me. But um, I've done stuff like that in the past. But I'll never do that ever again. Try to steal because I didn't earn it. I'm at a point in my life where I want to earn what I get. That's why I'm kind of scared. Not scared, but I'm kind of, you know. You know, I don't play the lottery as much as I do because I didn't earn that money, that millions or billions or whatever dollars. I didn't earn it. You know, I mean, I'll do right with the money, whatever, but I want to earn it. You know, I work hard for everything I got. Um, I work hard for everything, you know, everything I have. I, I worked hard for it. I don't like to ask for help. And actually, recently, my uh, discussion with my friends that, you know, Shane, you have to ask for help. You have to ask for help. But it's just like, I don't like to ask for help. If help is given to me, I'll take it, you know, but I'm not going to ask for it. That's the way I am. I don't like to ask for help. Um, but anyway, it's it's what I have to deal with um, as of somebody that's uh, of color. Now, granted, if you don't know how, how I look, I'm light skinned. Um, people usually think I'm Hispanic um Dominican but yet Dominicans are black so but whatever um um my mom she's has darker complexion my twin brother he has darker complexion um my sister and my brother my um yeah my sister and my brother they are um darker complexion too and so it's it could be worse for them you know, because of their skin color, because of the tone, the complexion, and all because of the com- it's, it's just crazy because of someone's complexion. Just be- we have the same everything, you know, we're all human, but just because of the skin color is what this whole thing is about. And but my, in my mind, sometimes I think though, let's say, and I talk to my client about this. We talk about politics all the time. Um, and if I was you, some from from a business standpoint, don't talk about politics. 
try to avoid it the best you can if you have your own business or you're, you know, you're a personal trainer like myself. Don't talk about politics. Don't talk about religion. But me and him were comfortable enough to talk about that stuff. And we talked about race. And we said that it seems like it's, because I, yeah, I made the point that if we're all purple, let's say we're all purple. We definitely, it's like it's human nature to create superiority over some another group. So let's say we're all purple. Same height, not same height, same, but we're all purple. Oh, you know, you're a different shade of purple. You're not my shade, so you can't hang out with me. Oh, I'm superior than you. Darker, darker, a darker purple means um, um, more intelligence. A lighter purple means, you know, it go back and forth. Then you can talk about same shade of purple, but talk about different heights. Oh, you're shorter, so your brain is, is you know, not, you there's, so sometimes I feel like, even if we're all the same color, because you have white people that are white, you have darker toned white people, you have our shades or whatever, and you have the pales, you know, the ones that look completely, you know, white, like, you know, the, I forgot the movie called Powder or whatever the movie's called. And it's, it seems like it doesn't matter what the case is, they're always going to be, it's like in human, in human nature. Because I, I, cause it does, from what I understand, you know, there is talk about that, that there was slavery between this in Africa as well. I mean, it's probably BS. I don't know. I didn't look it up myself. I don't know. But there was slavery between tribes and all that kind of stuff. But that was between tribes. You conquer that, but more that has to do more about conquering another tribe and all this kind of stuff. That has nothing to do with race. That's pretty much about one dominant group, physically dominant, or whatever group attacking another one and enslaving the other one. Is that right? No, that's not right, of course. Live and let live. But it's like in human nature to dominate another group. And in, in the black community, there's like, oh, you're light skin. Oh, that's something light skin. Oh, you would say, or you know, dark complexion against the light, you know, all this kind of stuff. So it's like in human nature to actually do this. But when it's just like this blatant at times, because blacks and light skin and dark skin or whatever, it's like most, most like a joker thing. There's no like aggressive harm. It's more like verbal attacks, if anything. But it's not like ver uh, physical harm, not verbal harm, physical harm. It's physical harm like whites do to blacks. And it's, and it's, yeah, so touch base on what my mom said. One other thing she taught me is the fact that being black in America is a crime in itself. So don't do anything else to make it any worse. And it's true. There's countless videos of seeing now, countless videos of innocent black men just walking the street, just driving their car, living in their own house. This one car, one, one black guy was just washing his car. And this cop pulled up and said, we have a warrant for your arrest. They didn't even know the guy's name. They didn't even know the, the black guy's name, but said, we have a warrant for your arrest and tried to arrest him. He was just washing his car in his own house, in his own driveway. 
And then they say, you fit the profile. Why? Because he's black? I know that a lot of um, black people say, oh, they all look alike. We're talking about white people. White white people do with black people too, apparently. Oh, they've been doing it for years. I mean, there's so many cases of where uh, uh, mistaken identity or whatever, the, this person's locked up because of, you know, they, they fit the profile of being black. And that's it. <laughs> that's it, just being black. Okay, so if we can't find the one black guy that really did the crime, let's find an innocent black guy and put him in jail, put him in handcuffs. And it's it's crazy. It's crazy that we're doing this still. We as a people, as a human race, is still doing this. And that's why I'm saying I'm happy that, you know, people in Palestine, you know, um, all over the damn country, England, all over the damn country, I mean, the damn world, is protesting because of him, because of what happened. Protesting for George Floyd. Then you have a, this one woman, I'm not going to say her name because I really don't like her. And she's like saying that she don't like George Floyd because she's black. And she don't like George Floyd because of um, he's being the martyr of this movement and all this kind of stuff. And talk about how black people are being misguided. There's like some type of um, like behind the scenes. Um, there's like some type of plan and there's the black people being manipulated to do. I mean, let's say how particularly speaking there are. But what, at what point is it okay to actually do something like this? What, what, at what point do we have to, do black people have to stand up and fight for something? Fight for their real, to get, to be, actually become free? Because a lot of people, a lot of people agree that this, this, we're still in slavery. But it's a different kind of slavery. We're still being limited to certain things we can do. And we actually do harm to our own selves too. But then, yeah, some people are saying, just uh, have the showing that, oh, look, in Chicago, there's the highest debt murder rate in the country. I mean, in the in the history of Chicago, whatever the hell they said. And they're pointing out black black on black crime or whatever. But the thing is, it goes back to the systematic racism. We're put in a situation, we're put in an environment, we're put in this, and we're born in this stuff over and over again. We were forced into it, you know, and we, we, we are being controlled and limited the way we can move because that's all we grew up knowing, knowing to steal, knowing about drugs, knowing about all this kind of negative things. And it's just so funny, not even haha, not, it's just so interesting, the fact that we have, there was crack, there's cocaine, all the kind of stuff going on. And some people believe it was placed by the CIA to um, um, impede us and stop us from growing as a black community. Uh, so we're given that. And then now, recently, more recently, white people are getting, using drugs and they're dying and they're this and the rich white people are upset. Oh, we need to make a, we need to make a stand. There's commercials about it. If you need help, you can contact this number. And there's nothing but white people in that commercial. And all of a sudden now we have to make we have to take the opioid and the only drug um, issues more seriously because it's affecting your people. If it doesn't affect 
white people, there won't be change. But the, the interesting part is when you realize it, if it doesn't affect rich white people, there won't be change. Because when the, the school shootings are going on, a lot of white people, a lot of white kids are dying, middle class kids are dying. This has to be any gun change and change in the guns, no AR, AR, AR 14, whatever, those AR 15s or whatever being not allowed in the, in the streets anymore, being sold in the country. They have firearms, yeah, like the pistols or whatever, and all these other people that they want. Shotguns is fine to protect your home, protect your property, fine. But why should there be AR 15s? Why? In the streets, why? Why is it so easy to get something like that? But the rich white people want to protect protect that so it, it's I'm not saying of course I'm not saying all white people are evil of course I'm not saying that because a lot of a lot of white people a lot of different cultures and everybody is helping with this movement but it shouldn't be like this it should not have gotten it should not have taken this long for this stuff to happen Imagine how many black folks actually died before there were phone cameras or camera phones. Imagine how many people that, that died in the South just for walking down the street. I mean, there's evidence of people, you know, picking their, picking themselves up, like they said in, um, Kimberly said, you know, pick themselves up, create a lot better life for themselves, but they have it taken away because they're black, because of jealousy. But there's one thing I always, so if anybody gets upset about what's going on, listen to what she said, that's one. And if you're still upset, ask yourself one question. Would you trade trade your life for a black man in America? Would you trade your life? So the movie Trading Places with... um. Oh God, not Nick Nolte. God, what's his name? Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, I think it's Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy. Um, I got forgot the lady's name. Um, that was in it too. But anyway, you you see that movie. You see that what happens when they traded the spot, the places from from one poor black man and made him into a rich guy. He became very educated and started doing things the right way, started doing, started making good, smart decisions in the financial district and everything. Then you have a black guy, or the white guy, and he's his life is pretty much plummets, goes downhill, downhill. That's a perfect example of what what is happening. So don't say, oh, black on black crime and this and this and that or whatever. If if you take all those people, all those people in those ghettos and all this stuff, all those places, and bring them out into more of a of a white area, a white people setting, see what will happen. Would they need to steal? No. Why do you need to steal? They already have everything. Or if I work harder, oh, I can get that if I have this job. They'll work. Majority of them will. But would you you automatically assume that oh, if they're doing it to themselves, they're doing it to themselves? No, they're not doing it themselves. Is how that's how they're raised. That's the environment they're in. Thank God, my mom. Because when we first came to this country, 
we stayed in T-Net. And eventually, we lived in a basement, one room, and we, my mom wanted us to move out and to find some fun. She got a better job, and we went to Patterson. Now, imagine if we stayed in Patterson. Imagine, would I be able to buy my own house? Would I be, be able to go to college and do all that stuff? Maybe, most likely not. But she got us out. She got us back into T-Net. And help make that that move help me. Now, I'm not saying Patterson is that bad, but there is, you know, by the numbers, it is bad. I go to Bobby, had somebody pregnant by now. And then following that cycle, following that cycle. My mom got us out of there before it was too late. And then we end up in Teaneck. And then, you know, the rest is history. There's a whole idea of nature versus nurture, but. And that this these kind of situations, you're born into something, you're gonna end up, you know, being a part of that and replicating that. You might be like might be like maybe out of ten people, there might be one that actually decides to leave and do better or whatever. But then again, I want to say something too, is the fact that you know, that one group of people, that one person that decides to leave those ten people that are doing, you know, the negative things that people see on TV, the drug dealing, all that kind of stuff. That one person will be considered a sellout. That's something outside. That's something I have a problem with the black community. Just because he's trying to get a job, just because he's trying to put on a suit on, you know, and trying to live in my mind, in my eyes, the American dream. You know, have buying a house, having a job, you know, that whole white picket fence stuff. He's considered a sellout, a sellout. So that's that's one of my grabs I have when it comes to the um to the black community, you know. But all the other stuff like it's set up. It, the system is set up for them to fail, for us to fail. When I say them, it's the ones that are you know still in there. I mean, granted, I'm not out of it yet either because I know that if I try to climb any higher at a certain point, I'm gonna get stopped too. And that's my goal to climb higher. That's my goal as a, as an immigrant. I was not born here, but I know there's a lot of opportunity, more opportunity here than in Jamaica. I decided to come here and make something incredible for myself, take advantage of all the opportunities I'm given. All the opportunities I'm given. And I see that. Some people don't see that. Some people born here don't see that the opportunities. All you have to do is leave the area where you're in, but you can't leave the area in, area that you're in because you don't want to leave your family. You don't want to leave your boys. You don't want to leave any, you know, all these kind of different reasons that you have not to leave the situation or the place that you're in. But if you have more people, more, uh, uh, if you see more African Americans are given chances, given opportunities, this country can be great. And that's something else to do that that doesn't make sense to me. And that I don't understand how certain white people don't realize that if you give more black people opportunity, black people opportunities on loans, on this and that, whatever, to build their life up, that's gonna be more people paying taxes. That's gonna be more more businesses being opened up. That means more taxes again. That means more jobs created. That means more people paying taxes again. And it builds and it builds and it builds. And that means the economy will be a lot better. 
instead of people staying home being on welfare being being there's like there's like a like a what you call it like an ongoing circle the kids are brought in oh i just go on welfare i'm gonna get pop out four or five kids you know and that's it i just collect welfare so it's like it's like a it's like a sense of slavery you know you go you probably won't vote. You probably won't do your research about voting or who's actually getting in or whatever. So you're at bay. You're you're just like in a little box in your own world, now realizing the potential that you can achieve all the stuff that you can actually do if you got out of that circle or that cycle. If you went out, read, read books, read, do all that stuff. So this is this whole podcast, not just attack on you know white supremacy and all this kind of stuff. And that, that's something that 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 just baffles me to begin with. It's just the fact that there's still the KKK is the KKK is alive and well, and there's nothing being done to stop that. There's still white supremacy going on. Declare like these people are out there. With signs saying white supremacy, white supremacy. There was a video I just saw today where um, in in New Jersey, in New Jersey, in the north, not the south, in New Jersey, which is I think it's in South Jersey. People are protesting, walking by police cops, police cars or whatever are driving, you know, you know, trying to protect the protesters, which I find very interesting. You know, I guess that's going to happen all the time, but I guess it was more profound because they knew. The police probably knew that there's white supremacy in that area. But anyway, long story short, there's a group of white people. One guy, one white person is on the ground. And another white guy with his knee on his back, more upper back than his neck. And, you know, they were screaming things back and forth. There's white people in the protest, you know, of course. Um, you're screaming back at him. And there's a sign talking about white supremacy. And it says Trump. 2020. Now, I'm, I'm trying my best to give it the shadow of it, you know, try to give him a chance and say, maybe Trump is not a racist or whatever. But the people you hang around with and they're supporting you are white supremacists. And what was the saying goes is guilt by association. And when that, that the whole thing with the, the Park Five, Central Park Five happened. You were the first person to say that. Oh, put them all in jail. Put them all in jail. You know, whatever and all this stuff. But when um when it finally came out that he they weren't the victims of it. Or, I mean, the criminals, the the one that committed a crime. What happened? You didn't say you're sorry. You didn't do anything. I mean, you don't apologize to anybody anyway. So I'm not really thinking about that. I think that, honestly, I think he's very egotistical. He he can he can never be wrong. You know um. So I don't think, to an extent, is he racist? It wouldn't surprise me if he is, but I think he's just more because he's egotistical. He's sexist, um, for sure. If it, it, if he's racist, I wouldn't be surprised, but I, he's definitely sexist. Come on. He's definitely sexist. Let's be serious. I don't know how white, white women or, or women in general can vote for him, but... You know, it is what it is. 
Um, you try to look beyond the negative with certain people, try to look at the positive and see what people are doing, um, their actions. But it's like, you know, you're telling cops to, it's okay to hurt people you have in custody. You know, when Garner died, you made fun of the fact that he was choking on camera. You know, and it's, it's just stuff like that, you know. So all I'm trying to say, people, is make sure you educate yourself. Even if you're Democrat, if you're if, even if you're Republican and you don't like what's going on, educate yourself to know what you're saying, what you're spitting out is right. Um, I need to do that, you know, more. A lot of people need to do that more. Um, and try to stop looking at the bad stuff all the damn time. If every bad thing you post on Facebook or Instagram, make sure you put like two good things. Maybe like a picture of a puppy or something, you know. Um, I mean, more recently now, I made a video of this on YouTube as uh, uh, the whole thing with CrossFit, you know, and um, Greg Glassman making just racial, you know, things, um, jokes or whatever. And now a lot of people are backing out of um, CrossFit. Reebok is discontinuing their relationship at the at, uh, at the end of this year. Um, Rogue is immediately... Uh, suspending their relationship with uh, CrossFit. Um, and a lot of these affiliate gym, a lot of these big time CrossFitters, you know, the Rich Fronings, the Servant's Daughter, like, you know, all these different CrossFitters are coming out and saying, no, I'm not going to stand this. And actually this one African-American lady that um, I follow and actually watch, watch one of her videos talking about how there is separation or a hint of racism in CrossFit when it comes to the actual corporate setting, the higher up part of it. Um, there's one interview, that article I read said that, Matt, um, do you know, is there any African-Americans that work here at the headquarters? Because they were interviewing with Glassman, another person that worked in the headquarters um, and they asked, is there any African-Americans that work in the headquarters? They said they don't know. Both of them said that they don't know. You, you find Glassman maybe might not know. Let's say hypothetically speaking, he doesn't know. He's busy, whatever. He's making decisions, whatever. Barely, even barely there. Just spits out what he wants for one hour, then leave. Like most CEOs, they do that. They just say what they want and have the people under them do all the work. But then you have somebody actually is there, you know, on a regular basis. Oh, I don't know. So now it's going around that CrossFit or the company CrossFit, not the community, the people that are working out on a regular basis and all this stuff, the gym owners, not saying that they're racist, but the company, the, the actual headquarters is racist or has a hint of racism and not, not having a lot of African-Americans get involved or brown people, whatever you want to say get involved in the games and like i said in my video um talking about this it's maybe because they were they didn't dominate the sport because 70 percent of the nfl is african-americans or are african-americans i don't know i i i don't know this is so much more stuff to say i mean this this podcast definitely is going on for like an hour and a half almost um, 
but as I hope my point's getting across, um, to educate yourself. Um, and if you still, still, still think that what's going on is wrong, um, we'll just go back to what's, what, how everything was, you know, I'm tired of this, you know, people shouldn't be outside like this together and all this kind of stuff, you know, just ask yourself, would you trade your life for African-American man? Now, I'm going to say African-American man. I'm not going to say woman. I'm not saying women don't go through hardships either. I'm not saying that. There's different situations that I've read and I know. I've read, I don't know. But I've read that that black men are hang, women, women that are even pregnant are hung. Black women that are pregnant and they will cut the woman's stomach open to make sure the baby's dead. That's how it is. And then the thing is like, um, the whole, whole idea of picnic. Now, I thought um, the idea of picnic meant pick a nigga. You pick a nigga and, you know, all these white people have the family and, you know, the friends together, they gather. And you just pick one person, one black person to hang. That's how I thought the word picnic came from. The picnic, the word picnic didn't come from that. It came from, um, it was a French word. You know, it meant what it is. It's like, you know, people can gather around and have a picnic. But from like the, the late 1990s, the 1890s or 18, mid 1800s, whenever it was, till the early 1900s, there will be a picnic where you pick a nigga and hang him. Four, over 4,000 people, 4,000 blacks were killed during that period. It was like a, like an event, like the Super Bowl, not in the really Super Bowl, Super Bowl like once a year, but like Sunday dinner. You meet every Sunday or whatever, you have dinner with your family, you know, and you know, or a picnic with your family, whatever it is on Sunday or Saturday, whatever it happened, and you pick a pick a black person to hang. And you watch him being hung while you eat and enjoy your, your tea and crumpets or whatever the hell you did. That happened. That stuff happened. But it's not being taught in school. So black people know their history. And white people know what they did, what their grandparents did. So they don't replicate it, don't duplicate. And that's what my mentor said. My now my my mentor, my client that I talked about politics. He is Italian. His parents, I think his parents or his grandparents came from another country. Came from you know whatever. Came from you know the immigrant. I think it was actually his parents when they were young. And we talk about this all the time. Stuff like this should not happen. And he's always saying, Shane, you need to learn your education. You need to learn your history. You need to know your history. Not just my history. The, the, all history. All history. Not just African-American history. He say all history. Because he, he's a Vietnam vet. And that's something else, too. Let's go, let's go down to the flag. Let's talk about the flag. So if, if I'm not mistaken... How everything's going on right now? Oh, you're disrespecting the veterans and all that kind of stuff by not having a hand on his chest. Granted, the whole thing with Kaepernick, he went to a Marines veteran. Actually, the veteran actually told him he can kneel. It's just, you know, it's more respectful than you sitting down. But anyway, let's not talk about that right now. Let's talk about the whole idea of the veterans. Oh, you're disrespecting the veterans. All the white people are saying disrespecting the veterans. When the veterans came back from Vietnam, what did you guys do? You guys do stuff at them. Oh, you're baby killers. You're this. You're that. 
all these bunch of white people protested against them. But now all of a sudden after 9-11 happened, oh, our veterans, we got to fight for our country. You know, don't disrespect them. You know, I love veterans. You know, more, way more U.S. flags are being, being flown all over the place. But granted, I did my research about this. There's rules when it comes to the flag. There's certain things you cannot do when it comes to the flag. Of course, you can't burn it. That's obvious. You can't have it on your underwear. You can't have it on your person, pretty much. You can't use it to sell merchandise. So all these Memorial Day sales, all these Fourth of July sales, all these kind of stuff that's going on, oh, it's forgotten. Always forgotten when it comes to money, when it comes to white people making their money. You can have it on a post, have it in front of your house, that's fine. But you can't have it on your, on your boxer shorts, you can't have it on your t-shirts to sell. Anything when it pertains to merchandise, you cannot do. And there's a whole, there's a slew of things. How, there's actually how to get rid of a flag, how to, you know, dispose of a flag. There's certain procedures when it comes to that stuff. But people don't talk about that. Oh, you got to stand for the flag. And, was, and Drew Brees, I like the guy. And I'm honestly, I already forgave the guy, to be honest with you, because, I, I you know, he, what he, he admitted what he did was wrong. And people say, oh, because he's on his pressure to do that and all this kind of stuff. But if you think about it, what he said, he said his forefathers, and this is what Shannon Sharp said, too. I'm not, I'm not going to take away what he, he's the one that said this, not me. It was a very good point. So, Drew Brees said it, said that, oh, you're disrespecting the flag. My forefathers, my fathers are in the military, they Navy, and this and that. They fall for these freedoms, they fall for this, whatever. You, so, you're disrespecting the flag, disrespecting them and what your forefathers did. From his perspective, yeah, it's just disrespecting the flag. But just look at the big picture here. What a lot of people don't do. They don't look at the big picture and look at that. The look at how everybody else is being affected or how this affects everybody in general. They just look at themselves, their perception. And that's why I'm happy. All this stuff's going on because people are trying to see the, the people are seeing white people or different cultures seeing the other perspective from other people, from from black people, I should say. So then Shannon Sharp replied by saying. He didn't know that it was only his, him, his father, and his grandfather was in, in there fighting, fighting the wars. It was only white people that were fighting. No, no, there was black people fighting those wars. World War One, World War Two, the Civil Right, all Civil War, all that kind of stuff. It was other people in those wars, not just white people. And that's what it goes back to the history, <clears throat> American history. They betray, they they portray. That white people did every, white men did everything for this country. They created everything for this country. They fought for this country. There's only white men in this country that did stuff. But in reality, there was black men right there next to them. So what did it say? It was saying that how um, they said they stopped white men. No, they stopped black men. They, they, um, George Washington said, no, black men don't give any black men any guns. They cannot fight. They're not going to be in our armies or whatever. But England said, hey, if you fight for us, we'll give you your freedom. And right away, what happened? George Washington changed it and said, hey, no, we need them. We need them. Give them guns with, to fight for our freedom. And it was it's, it's so funny and interesting, the fact that you had these, these black people 
fighting for this this war between really between two white people, white groups, one from England, one from from America, to help give the white people their freedom. So the joke is, the slaves were fighting to help master to help master get his freedom. Then what happened? Master got their freedom. Then what happened? Slavery, you know. Slavery began. Slavery began became really, really high. It became, you know. And then World War One happened. World War Two happened. Black people were involved, of course, and probably other culture, other you know, other races too were involved. But black people were helping, doing doing their part, whatever, serving in the military. And then what happened? That's well, the Tuskegee Airmen, the discrimination still happened. All this kind of different stuff happened. So we're helping America fight a war to make sure America is free. But in reality, when we came back and war is over, what happened? We're still fighting for our freedom. But Drew Brees didn't see that. Drew Brees didn't see that at all. Drew Brees saw from his perspective, his perception, is that we're disrespecting the flag. America is great. America is a perfect place to be. If you're white in America, yeah, it's perfect. If you're black or maybe another culture, other, you know, brown or whatever, no, it isn't. If you're white, it's perfect. But he, he's learning his lesson and he realizes that what he did was wrong, what he said was wrong. And he's learning from his mistakes. He's learning from what he said. You know, and it, it's, it's scary. It's scary. God, I've told you I need to drink some water. Now, like I said before, I'm <clears throat> I'm not from this country. I came up here when I was four years old. I'm an immigrant, first generation, whatever you want to say. I'm not second, whatever. <clears throat> Sorry. And I've seen things, and I experience things. I read things, and I understand everything that's going on for the most part. But there there has to be some type of change. There has to be some type of reform. There has to be some type of change. I don't know politics. I don't know all that stuff really well. But I know a group of people should not be afraid to walk outside or live their life because they're worried that they might get shot, might get arrested, might get this just because of their skin color. That is not right. That is not fair. It doesn't matter, it doesn't, does not matter what you're saying, you know, unless you're white supremacist, you don't care. Uh, you want, you know, you want black people, you know, to go away or you want them to bring back slavery or whatever, they, whatever you're thinking. But if you're a rational person, not a racist person, but a rational person, you have to understand that you have to listen and educate yourself on what's been going on for the past 450 years. Because it's not being taught in school anymore about this stuff. It's not being taught at all. And that's something else that should need to be, um, that should change. The idea of America is that the best place on the earth is, 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 is Disneyland compared to everybody, everybody everywhere else. 
It has its faults, but we have to learn about the faults so we can make it great. And like I said, I do not think America was ever great. There was oppression, there was racism, there was um, separation, all this kind of stuff, hatred going on. It was never great. I think it can be great, but it, it, it has never been great. If it's great to white people, white men, it has been great. White straight men, white straight Christian men, it has been great. But not for everybody. And because of that, it's, you know, it's, it's never been great. So anyway, please educate yourself. There's so much more stuff to learn. And also don't fall into the rabbit hole. When you see something negative, um, don't, you know, just keep falling and falling into the, the, the rabbit hole, you know, of all the negativity. You know, read something more positive. There's a lot of good cops out there. There's a lot of good peaceful protests out there. There's a lot of good things happening right now. There's more good things than bad, but it's not being promoted because the negative, the negativity, the bad stuff, that's what sells newspapers, that's what sells advertisements, that's what does, that's what people make their money from. So learn as much as you can, read as much as you can. All the stuff you might not agree with what I said, but look it up yourself. If you don't know about Tulsa, Arizona, Black Wall Street, if you don't know about uh, Rosewood, Florida, read about it, learn about it. If you don't think I was, you don't think I was right, oh, pregnant women were hanged and their stomach were cut open, read about it. I think it's called the Tree of Woe. Read about that stuff. Talk to somebody, if you're white, talk to somebody that's black. If you're black, talk talk to somebody else that's black and more mature than you or older than you or read your books. There's African-American studies, there's classes, there's courses, you know, and read about it. Read about the history of the country, not just about one particular race, though, because it's not only black people that suffered, there's other people that suffered, too, and still are suffering, i.e. I, uh, I. the Native Americans. There should not be a separation between races. There should not be, I mean, of course, there's going to be separation between economic, you know, the upper class, the lower class, that kind of thing. But that's another fight for another day. But majority of the lower class are African-Americans, and that's not right. So we have to figure out why. Why is a fact. Like she said, Kimberly said, why are blacks, majority of blacks, trying to fight and loot and do all this stuff just to just to survive. Why? Look at the system. The system is made to impede us, to hinder us from growing. They put us in this in this group in these in these areas, and generation after generation after generation, you know, we're taught to be on welfare, to be Democrats, to be, you know, Republicans are all racist. That whole education, we're taught to believe that. Just understand something. I'm going to leave with this. It was a Democratic Party that did not want slavery to stop. The Democratic Party did not want slavery to stop. Look it up. Read it. Read it and understand. The Democratic Party did not want slavery to stop. The Democratic South did not want slavery to stop. And it was a Republican um, Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln, it was a Republican 
that fought to stop slavery. A Republican. I mean, granted, like I said, reparations were given to slave owners, whatever. You know, but I think that was after he died, but whatever. Um, but think about that for a second. I'm not saying all Democrats are racist. I'm not saying all Democrats are are um, non-racist and they're, they're trying to help black people. I'm not saying all Republicans are racist. I'm not saying all Republicans are not. But educate yourself. Don't read a headline and as oh, um, cop shoots unarmed black men. And then immediately, oh, I hate fucking cops. Read the article, read the information, read what's going on. Read the, the fine print of everything. Don't just read the headline. I've done that too. I've done that many times. I just read the headline. And then I regurgitated somebody else, you know, from a headline, not from an article. But educate yourself, read, and understand what's going on. Me, me, myself, I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm personally in the middle when it comes to uh, politics. I'm in the middle. I look at the person. I try not to look at, you know, the party. You know, and it's, it's hard nowadays to do something like that because either one news, news is reporting on the left and one news reporting on the right. It's never like in between. It's hard to find something that's in between. Just giving out the facts, being objective and giving out the facts. So I can educate myself and make an informed decision on who to elect. So get out, educate yourself, vote, do, do, you know, we are, we, we are in, in a sense, in a sense, black people are in a sense of a bondage and minorities are in a type of bondage, but we can educate ourselves. We can make good decisions to put people in play that will make good decisions for us when it comes to laws and, you know, all this stuff that we need changing, changes to be made. Because if we can protest, 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 you know, walk the streets and do all this stuff, but we have to make changes on the upper level. You know, and I, I really appreciate whoever, like, listened to this whole thing. It's been over an hour and a half of this. But I really appreciate whoever listened to this whole thing. Please, if you didn't listen to this whole thing, and skip through it, just understand what I'm trying to say. Just educate yourself, listen to people, listen to, don't just see things from your point of view, your perspective, listen to everything, everybody, and make informed decisions. Just don't read the headline, make informed decisions. Okay, if you're not white, educate yourself still. If you, you know, just because you're black doesn't mean every, you know everything. You know, white people, educate yourself. See the life of a black person. Talk to a black person. Understand what's going on. Read upon your history. Black people read upon your history, too. And like I said, not only your history, everybody else. The Asian history coming to America, the Native American history, all the stuff that they had to go through. Read up on American history. Not just the American white man, American history as a whole. Anyway, guys, um, this is a long ass podcast. I don't think I ever will do anything like this again. I hope I won't have to. I need to. Hope I, hopefully I don't need to. Hopefully the change just happened. Um, but I really appreciate whoever listened to the whole thing. Um, but this is my point of view from things. Um, and I hopefully you understand the message. Okay, thank you so much for listening. Like I said, think positive and positive things. 
will happen. I hope to God it happens. Thank you. Bye.